Good Saturday morning and welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. I am Jason Kong and he is Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing today? I'm good, Jason. I hope you are. I'm doing wonderful, Bill. It's uh, it's good to be back here with you again. I always enjoy uh, spending Saturday mornings with you and I know you had a seminar this past week and I know that, uh, again, it was a great turnout and folks got some great information from you. Well, I always enjoy doing the seminar and I, I do think the folks who come truly appreciate uh, the information that we share with them. Um, One thing about our seminars that uh, is special, uh, other than the fact that they're free, is the fact that uh, the lion's share of information that we give uh, out is information that's uh, virtually impossible to get uh, from other sources. Um, So it's really important. Uh, And so I do hope that folks will listen and, and um, attend the seminars because truthfully, particularly the ones on long-term care, uh, because that affects most families. And it, it still blows my mind, uh, the fact that, that, some, that people, uh, uh, get their advice from the wrong places, people who know very little about it, um, people who should know more about it than they actually do. And they're trying to give people advice about, uh, whether or not they can be eligible for benefits and whether their property can be protected and things like that. And, you know, it's, it's like uh, uh, getting advice from an ignorant uncle or, or something along those lines because in almost every case, the information people get is absolutely wrong. And so it's very frustrating um, when people actually listen to others that have no idea what they're talking about because – you know, it's uh, it that comes back to the old mantra: you don't know what you don't know, and uh, it long-term care is just one of those areas where you got to seek advice from people who know what they're talking about. So anyway, I would uh, that's the last thing I'm going to say for the next few weeks. That <laughs> sound like Boris Gump this morning. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. Well, WGALaw.com is the place to go if you want to find more information or register for the October seminars. Uh, but, Bill, I know we wanted to start out the morning talking about retirement accounts. I, I do. Uh, there's there's uh, Retirement accounts are, are uh, something that um, is important to virtually everyone. Uh, and so it's so important for folks to understand how they work, and what the differences are because um, there are a lot of different retirement uh, plans and retirement accounts out there. Uh, and uh, the truth is is that they're different, and uh, they're, they're different as it relates to investments. They're different as it, as it relates to what's protected and what's not protected. And it's also different in terms of uh, what – how you can spend the money and the exceptions to the rules, if if you uh, if you will. So uh, let's just talk about um, some of the retirement accounts. Uh, do you have a retirement account here? I do. I have a four hundred one k here. Okay. So what's a four hundred one k? A four hundred one k is an employer plan, uh, and typically a medium to large company uh, will uh, offer a 401k retirement plan. It's not required. Employers do not have to offer their employees retirement plans, but 
you know, in the good old days, whatever that means, um, most large companies had pension plans. And, of course, a, a pension plan is a retirement plan as well. It's just that very few companies today actually offer a pension plan. That pension plan is called a defined benefit plan. In other words, uh, you get a certain amount of money each month upon retirement and, until you die. Um, and so, that, but a 401k plan is called a defined contribution plan. In other words, you know what you're putting in, but you don't know what you're going to get out. Um, because what you get out can vary a whole lot depending on the investments inside the plan. Now, a 401k plan is uh, a, an ERISA. That's a federal law. It's based on federal law. Um, and so it has protections and limitations based on the federal law. But as a, an employer plan, what that basically means is the employer decides who the custodian will be. The employer decides what investment options the employees will have. And in almost every case, the investment options are fairly limited. In other words, you might have five or six options. You might have 10 or 15 options. Uh, typically, it's going to be in one family of funds. Uh, I mean, for instance, some of the bigger custodians for 401k plans would be American funds or Fidelity funds or Vanguard funds, um, uh, where the, the choices you have are limited to that family of funds, no outside funds, if you will. Uh, and even within the same family, you might only get five or ten choices, um, and that's it. Uh, it's, so it's whatever the employer sets up, and then the employee each um, can, uh, can choose among those investments. And actually, and I'll, I'll pick on you, Jason, because I think all of us fall victim to this. How often do you look at your 401k plan? In terms of the what the investments are? Yeah. Oh, uh, not as often as I should. Well, <laughs> that, that's a gray answer if I've ever heard one. In other words, every, you don't want to years. admit that you don't look very often. And that's the point. You know, the markets, would you say that the stock market is volatile? Uh, yes. Yes, okay. I would. Okay. Well, would you say that you're uh, – that um, all your investments are in the market? They are. Okay. So do you realize that you have the ability to s switch your investments yourself? I do. Uh, now, you have to go through the custodian. And as with a 401k, you're still limited to the funds that the employer sets up for you. But as the employee, it's your money. And you have the ability to shift it from uh, within that family of funds to other investments. And one of the things that the employer has to set up is to give you options, some real options in terms of, of bonds uh, versus um, uh, mutual funds. Uh, you know, sometimes they set up funds that are based on your, your age, uh, in terms of the uh, diversification of the funds and, and that sort of thing. Um, 
You can have growth funds, income funds, uh, international funds, funds that are only uh, U.S.-based, medium-sized funds, large funds, small-cap funds, lots of different um, kinds of funds that you can choose, and the employer has to decide which options uh, will be allowed among those employees. Um, now, uh, the, the, uh, one of the things about uh, 401ks, and because they are, um, uh, there's a lot of rules and regulations that go with them, uh, and um, they're expensive to administer. So typically small companies, small businesses, tend not to have 401ks. There are other options that are similar to 401ks uh, that are better suited for small employers uh, because there's less work involved for the employer uh, with some of the other options. And I'll talk about those as well. But the biggest mistake, and this is true across the board with retirement plans, is that uh, people make a choice uh, when they go to work. Uh, or when they become eligible for the 401k plan as to what investment strategies they're going to use. Um, and then they never look back. And that's a huge mistake because oftentimes you, you really don't get a whole lot of, uh, or you don't get good advice when you set them up. And then you never get look back and, and change it. So again, that's, that's something that people should do. Uh, and they don't more often than not. So you're, you fall in with the rest of us, Jason, and not looking after our retirement accounts the way we should. Well, Bill, we're, <laughs> we're going to take a quick break so I can go dust off my password and my login to check out my 401k plan and see if I need to make any adjustments because you've, uh, you've pointed that out that I've been slacking in that regard. So we're going to take care of that and we'll be back with more. We're going to be continuing our conversation on retirement accounts. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. I am Jason Kong. He is Bill Alexander, and we're talking all about retirement accounts. Bill, we were just talking about 401k accounts, and I did log in here. I, apparently, I've, I had a lot invested in Enron and MySpace. <laughs> well, I'm I sorry think, to hear uh, that, buddy. Uh, I think I should have checked this sooner, Bill. It's okay. not, not good. All right. So what's, what's another biggie? Well, uh, nonprofit organizations, uh, churches, charitable organizations, um, uh, government employees have a different kind. Very, it's similar, but it's not the same. Uh, it's called a 403B, and that's, of course, under the Internal Revenue Code. Um, now, is there a difference? Well, the big difference is that uh, a 403Bs are actually uh, annuities. They're uh, like variable annuities, so they have the same kinds of risk that you have with a 401k. In other words, your your underside is not protected in a 403B. So you, again, you have to look and decide which investments you're going to use in your annuity. 
um, the the um, 403Bs can be more restrictive depending on the custodian. Um, uh, for instance, uh, some some fo- I'll give you an example of one where there's a lot of restrictions in it, and and that's the TIAA CREF as a custodian. They do a lot of 403Bs. Uh, and they are very restrictive administratively in terms of what you can do, uh, even upon retirement. Um, you uh, you you have fewer options, is what I'm saying. And I like more options. I I don't like uh, where uh, barriers are set up uh, between you and your money. Uh, but it's it's uh, they also. But I, I you know I will say that a lot of folks are very happy with that particular custodian. They offer some very good investments too. So I mean, there's goods and bad things with a lot of different uh, of the, the custodians involved. Uh, but there is a difference between a 403B and a 401K, and, it, and it's based upon what kind of entity is, is setting it up. But it's still an employer-based custodian where the employer chooses what investments that you uh, can have. Now, if you're an, a smaller employer uh, and you want to offer your employees a plan without all of the rigmarole required of a 401k, you can set up a simple IRA plan. Or if you're self-employed, you can set up what's called a SEP, which is a self-employment plan. Um, and those are actually um, uh, uh, more – well, the SEP is an IRA-type plan. But the simple plan, uh, it doesn't have the uh, requirements with the Department of Labor and filing the 5,500 reports and and all of that rigmarole that it takes a lot of time and money and effort to, to do because the simple plan for a small employer is much easier. The biggest difference uh, is the fact that uh, with a simple plan, the maximum uh, employer employee match that you can have is 3%. Whereas with a 401k, I believe the maximum is 6%. So you can go up to 6% on the match with a 401k. But truthfully, most employers are actually offer a 3 or 4% match uh, to their employees uh, because that's one of the real uh, benefits uh, with, um, with these plans is that the employer can actually uh, match um, – uh, what the employee puts into the plan, and that's that's really important, and that's that's what the employers are actually doing now, uh, rather than offering a pension. Um, you know, there are very few folks uh, with pensions. About the only ones left at this point uh, are military. You have military, you have federal pensions, you have uh, teachers and state employees, uh, police officers, uh, and the like, uh, basically government employees in North Carolina, uh, and federal employees have their own civil service pension, uh, which are, uh, wonderful. Um, but, but, uh, you, um, you know, it's the kind of thing where for most of us, pensions are basically a thing of the past. And, and truthfully, in most states, pensions have gone away, uh, even for uh, state employees and teachers and the like. And it's it's a real travesty because reti- retirement's going to be so much more difficult for folks in the future unless they really put money 
uh, a site. Now, I mentioned federal, and, and federal, they have a savings plan, too. It's called a federal thrift savings plan. It's very similar to a 401K, uh, but it gives uh, federal employees the options of, of being able to put money aside for retirement over and above their pensions. Uh, and, of course, one of the real negatives uh, with the federal pension is that it, it unfortunately offsets uh, what they might otherwise receive um, uh, in terms of Social Security. In other words, it reduces what they, they actually earn and would otherwise be entitled to on Social Security, which is not fair either. Uh, but it's it's just um, something that the federal government does, unfortunately. So anyway, just some things to to think about. Now, um, uh, the it, for those folks who are employees, uh, it it is a no brainer to add a minimum, you know, to uh, take a deduction on your own pay for at least as much as the employer match. So the way it works is, and uh, in, in, in my office, I have uh, a simple IRA uh, employment plan. Um, and so I do a 3% match, which is the, the maximum for my uh, employees. So if, if an employee says, please deduct 3% of my uh, uh, pay each pay period, then uh, we deduct the 3%. They're not taxed on that, so it saves them income tax. The employer, I then contribute an additional 3%. So for every 3% they take out of their pay, they get 6% put into their account, 3% from from themselves, 3% from me as the employer. Um, now, if I had an employee that only took 2%, then I would only match 2%. So it's a match. It's not a contribution just because uh, – so it, base, it takes the commitment of both the employee and the employer up to the maximum. Now, another option for an employee is because there are an awful lot of folks that will tell you – that over a lifetime, 6% is not going to be enough in the future. So instead of taking a 3% um, uh, uh, deduction, an employee might want to take 5 or 6 and then still get the 3% match, and then they get 8 or 9% uh, put aside for their retirement. So it really comes down to a lot of different kinds of choices. But, I mean, right now I have one employee who's entitled to the 3%, but she's not taking anything right now. Now, she, she's going to change that, and I've told her she needs to change it. But it, it's the kind of thing where for right now, to make her budget work, she's, she's not withholding any money whatsoever, um, which I think is a mistake, and I've encouraged – them to do better. <laughs> but it's it's the kind of thing where this is the employee's choice as to what they do. But it's really important for folks to understand that if they don't save for retirement, they're going to be screwed in retirement. So it's it's and young people really need to be listening up because the, you know, so many young people, the the, the younger generations uh, are spending money like crazy. 
trying to live like their parents or trying to live uh, like their neighbors, and they're not putting enough money aside. They're borrowing money rather than saving money, and it's going to come back to haunt them uh, when they get towards retirement age because they're not going to have enough money to live in retirement. And and who who out there thinks Social Security is going to save them? I, well, I, I beg to differ on that one. Uh, saving for retirement, to me, is the most important thing that folks need to be doing. And the easiest way to do it is through um, retirement um, plans. You know, whatever uh, you're allowed to put back, you need to put back a substantial amount. Um, It's really a, a critical kind of thing. Yeah, it's something that we've got to be diligent about because, as you said, the the consequences will be severe if you're not prepared for retirement. We've got to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is News Radio 680 WPTF, and you are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You can find more about him online at WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website there. You can find information about his seminars and the services that he provides. You can also schedule an appointment to speak with Bill as well. WGALaw.com is that website. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and we're continuing our discussion on retirement accounts, Bill, and uh, we were just going over 403Bs and simple IRAs and uh, various other accounts as well. Well, it's important for folks to know that there are a lot of different uh, out there. And, and of course, I haven't even talked about individual uh, retirement accounts, IRAs, and it's important for folks to understand the difference, because when you retire, one of the options you have is, uh, in in most situations, is to convert your 401k or 403b into an IRA, uh, individual retirement account. And a lot of folks actually do this and should do it because it gives them far more investment opportunities and options. And that can be huge because if you go to an IRA, you're no longer stuck with what the custodian has uh, given to you. Uh, You have a lot of different options uh, with an IRA. And in fact, uh, you can even, if you set it up correctly, and and, uh, you can even do alternative investments uh, through an IRA, uh, such as real estate investments and other types of weird investments that people like uh, and, and uh, can be uh, very beneficial to f- folks with special knowledge. Uh, now, you can't do that through a normal uh, custodian, uh, uh, but it, certainly uh, we help folks set up those kinds of investments uh, through an alternative approach. Um, but let's just go back to, to talk about the regular and and asset protection. That's something that's real important. If you have a 401k or 403b or federal thrift savings plan, those accounts are actually protected by federal law in every state. It's federal law from creditors. 
Uh, in other words, if, if you get in trouble, you go into bankruptcy, you or, or somebody sues you, gets a judgment, they cannot take your ERISA-protected plans, your your federal plans, your 401ks, your 403bs, your federal thrift savings account plans. You can, a creditor can't take that away from you. Now, IRAs are a little different. They're not protected by federal law. But they are, to some degree, protected by state law. Now, uh, and the state laws vary, but I'm not aware of any state that does not protect an IRA in the hands of the person who uh, earned and saved the money. In other words, if it's your IRA, it's protected. And it's also protected for your spouse upon your death, where by state law, again, not federal law. But when both you and your spouse die and your uh, IRA is then inherited by someone else, like your children or grandchildren, in some states it's protected and in other states it's not. In North Carolina, it's a protected asset. In most states, it is not a protected asset from creditors. And I assure you that creditors will, if it's not a protected asset, creditors will go after it. So it's really important uh, that folks understand that. Now, there's another issue here that I, I want to talk about because it's really important. We have recommended for a number of years that uh, people create uh, retirement account trusts, and that's where uh, the custodian pays uh, uh, the account to a trustee under a trust that you have created, and it's specially designed for retirement accounts. That uh, now, uh, there's some good and bad. There. Why do why do we recommend them? Well, number one, even if your retirement account is protected in North Carolina, who's to say that your children or grandchildren will live in North Carolina? They may live in a different state, or it may be that you have a child that uh, is horrible with money, or you're afraid that they'll go through that money so you know way too fast. So those are uh, uh, reasons why you may want to use a trust to limit what they take out in any particular year because uh, there are a lot of folks who understand the value of what we call stretching a retirement account. In other words, taking minimum required distributions. So these retirement account trusts have been a very important um, uh, tool to keep all your IRAs protected uh, uh, in a state that where there is no state law protection, and also to protect people from themselves from taking out too much of their money in any given year. Now, with that said, anyone who has an IRA trust today. Uh, and I'm, I'm ringing the alarm bell here because there's legislation in Congress that may substantially change how inherited IRAs are treated in terms of requiring distributions. Almost all retirement trusts uh, are created as <clears throat> what's called a conduit trust. And so that typically is a good thing 
where a, a minimum required distribution is paid out to your um, beneficiary. However, if if this new law is passed, and, and most political pundits say that it will pass this fall, we just have to keep an eye on it. If it passes, then almost all of these retirement plan trusts are set up incorrectly, and it's a disaster waiting to happen. So what it mean what it means to those folks who have a uh, retirement plan trust is they need to keep an eye on this legislation and then either amend their trust, uh, which is the best um, tool, uh, or if they're if they just uh, are not comfortable amending the trust, then they need to change their beneficiary designation back to individuals. Uh, but then you lose then you lose the protection that the the trust actually can give you. So, but again, alarm bells for this new congressional movement to change how inherited IRAs are taxed. Obviously, it's Congress's push to to receive more tax revenue and, of course, which uh, unfortunately will screw our children and grandchildren in, in terms of having to pay the tax so far, far earlier. And that's what Congress is looking for, quite frankly. So uh, that it's really important for folks to understand that there is an alarm bell, there's a disaster waiting to happen for some families, and that uh, we need to keep an eye on the ball here. We certainly do. It's called the Secure Act if you want to follow along with what's going on with the legislation there. We got to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. I am Jason Kong alongside Bill Alexander, and today we're talking retirement accounts. And Bill, uh, we've covered a, a whole lot of territory, but where are we off to next? Well, uh, it, another big topic that people generally don't talk about, uh, they just assume that, that you're going to keep your money in your retirement account no matter what and, and just take minimum required distributions. And that's what's been pushed on us uh, by financial advisors, which might not be correct uh, for a lot of families. Uh, so uh, what are some of the different rules? Uh, first of all, um, once you turn 59 and a half, then you can withdraw from your retirement accounts without a penalty. Now, of course, you have to pay tax on anything that you withdraw because that's how the thing works. In other words, you don't pay tax. You put it into your retirement account, so you pay less tax with the money going in. Uh, because you're not paying any tax on what you uh, contribute to your retirement accounts. But when you take it out, uh, it is taxed as ordinary income, just like earned income uh, to, to a great degree. So ordinary income for every penny that you take out. And if you take out money prior to 59 and a half, then uh, you have a 10% penalty. Well, that's not good. Now, there are, there are some exceptions to that, and I want to talk about that. Now, one, under the current law, 
you uh, once you turn seven and a half with an IRA, you have to take out um, what's called minimum required distribution, and and it's based on how much money you have in your account on December thirty first of that uh, of the previous year and what your age is. So it's based on your age. And so obviously, uh, early on, the percentage for the minimum required distribution is very, very, very low. So it's very little money initially. And then when you get into your mid-80s and higher, then it becomes substantially more each year in terms of what you're required to take out. Uh, But here's the thing. Um, the, it's not always best to take out minimum required distributions. And he, here's a, something that folks need to understand. Um, and, and now, when you're married, you have double the amount of income that you can make before your tax rate goes up, correct? Well, what happens to so many folks is they're only taking out minimum required distributions uh, and then one spouse dies. Well, what happens when your spouse dies and you inherit and you get, you know, you roll over your spouse's IRA. So now your retirement account is twice as large as what it was before. But what's just happened to your tax uh, deductions and exemptions. They've been cut in half because your spouse is now deceased and now you're a single individual tax player uh, with half as many deductions and exemptions that you had before and you got twice as much of a minimum required distribution. So guess what? What it boils down to is now when you start taking out more money from your retirement account, it can very likely put you into a higher tax bracket, and that's a negative. So sometimes it is, or in fact, often, if, particularly if you have a large retirement account, it can actually be more effective to take out more than your minimum required distribution in your 60s even, uh, after you've uh, reached 59 and a half, where there's no penalty, uh, so being able to take out more uh, as long as you're, you're not pushing your tax rate into the next tax bracket because oftentimes a survivor will end up in a higher tax bracket rather than a lower tax bracket. So that's something for financial advisors to consider. And, but you also have to understand that it's in the financial advisor's best interest for you to keep your money in the account because they make more money the more money that you have in the account. Uh, so you have to protect yourself by, by figuring that out. Now, um, with that said, there are also some other differences between IRAs and 401ks in terms of some of the exceptions to the rules. So let's say that you've, you've been investing uh, and you need some of your retirement account to buy a new home. Well, obviously, most folks will have a 401k, uh, but they might not have an IRA. Okay. Now, you can, um, now, if you take money out of your retirement account, you might get penalized. The question is, what kind of retirement account are you taking it out of? Do you know the difference, Jason? 
I don't. Okay. Now, you have a 401k, right? Right. Now, let's just presume that you have not purchased a house and, and that you and your wife want to buy a house. Uh, can you take $10,000 out of your retirement account? Now, you know you'll have to pay um, income tax because anytime you take money out of your retirement account, it doesn't matter what purpose it's taken out for, whether it's an exception or not, you will pay income tax. But do you have to pay the penalty to take it out for to purchase your first home? Oh, uh, I would say yes. That would be my guess. Well, uh, good guess. In other words, you will have a penalty if you take it out of your 401k. However, can you take it out of your IRA without a penalty? Uh, I'll guess yes on this. Very good guess again. There you go. In other words, uh, the answer is yes, and you could. And so now, Here's the interesting thing. There's a workaround. So if you had good advice and you knew you, you needed um, money to purchase a home, uh, and let's say that you wanted to take $10,000 out of um, your uh, – in order to purchase your home – uh, and let's, uh, I mean, here's the difference. Let's just say you're in the 24% tax bracket. So, um, uh, taking $10,000, you're going to pay, uh, $2,400, uh, income tax. Now, if you have to pay a penalty of 10%, that's an extra thousand dollars of tax. So that's 3,400 rather than 2,400. That, that's real simple math. Uh, as and so in, you have, uh, in essence, um, uh, in, in, instead of sixty seventy six hundred dollars, you have sixty six hundred dollars for your down payment if you're penalized. Well, if you took ten thousand dollars out of your four hundred one k and rolled it into an IRA, and then took the ten thousand dollars from your IRA, you would have just saved yourself $1,000 of income tax because it's where certain exemptions exist for IRAs that do not exist for 401ks. And the homeowners, you know, the taking it out for the first time homebuyer is one of those exceptions. Uh, and so uh, there's, there's also, let's say that you're 55 and you have a serious health condition. There's another exception that, that you can take uh, in terms of your IRAs, and that is that you can actually annuitize uh, your IRA uh, to get um, uh, payments that are equal each year. Uh, and you can do that for health reasons and not uh, be subject to the penalty, even though uh, you're younger than 59 and a half. And so if you have a dread, something dreaded that occurs to you, then that is something. But again, good advice uh, is essential in terms of how you uh, make that happen. And you will find that IRAs give you far more flexibility in retirement. And then there's one more big difference that I want to make sure that people understand. And I'm, you're looking at me, so I know we need to take a break. But you can get to it now if you want to. You can do that. <laughs> okay. Well, what's, the, what's, what's another difference? Well, 401ks have um, 
I mean, you have a custodial agreement that can be far more restrictive than an IRA. So what I'm getting at is this. Now, for a spouse who inherits your 401k, it's not a problem. You can roll that over. Um, but how about when it goes to the children? You know, ch- uh, most people think, oh, you can stretch any old retirement account. And so th- what that basically means is you can take it out over your lifetime. Now, I'm talking about existing rules, not, you know, we may see some changes with this new SECURE Act. But but the bottom line is that um, with a 401k, you're custodial agreement often does not allow a stretch. They will require a payout to your children, and it'll be taxed uh, in a much shorter period of time. So for a lot of folks who have larger IRAs that they want to go to their children or grandchildren, converting it to an IRA upon retirement uh, is a very wise thing to do because IRAs, at least right now, can be stretched completely over a child or grandchild's lifetime and not uh, limited to five years or a certain or a, a one payout. And, and that, of course, is a big tax burden on folks. That's something that you want to look out for. Mm-hmm. we got to take a quick break. We'll be back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we're wrapping up our discussion on retirement accounts. Well, well true. Actually, I was hoping to talk a little bit about trust this morning, but we'll have to save that for next week. But the last thing I want folks to understand is that uh, when, you, when you take a, a large sum um, out of your retirement accounts, uh, one of the things that, for instance, anybody that's over 65 and and on Social Security and Medicare need to appreciate is the fact that uh, Medicare is how much you pay for Medicare is based upon what your income was the previous year, and so obviously anything you take out of your retirement account is taxable income that pushes that number up, and it can push it way up. Well, one of the things you need to look at when you're looking at how much to withdraw is what's called IRMAs for Medicare, because for most folks, Medicare costs $135 a month. But the problem is, is if your income goes up, your your own IRMA can push your cost for Medicare and your spouse's cost for Medicare, if you're a joint return, up to over $400 a month. And so it's it's another tax that, that you have to watch out for that can hit regular folks like us. And, and so you need to look at IRMAs when you, when you take out uh, substantial IRA money. 
Yep. Another thing to look out for. We're out of time for today. I want to remind you, head over to WGALaw.com. That's where you can register for Bill's seminars next month. That is the second Wednesday in October. You can find more information at WGALaw.com. That's also where you can find Bill's podcasts, the Asset Protection Today podcast, as well as all of his uh, services that he provides at his office. You can also schedule an appointment to speak with Bill by doing that or call 919 919- Two five six seven thousand nine one nine two five six seven thousand. On behalf of Bill Alexander, I'm Jason Kong. Thanking you for joining us this Saturday. We hope you'll do it again next Saturday at eleven. It is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio six eighty WPTF. Have a wonderful weekend.